Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, so last week you had Pastor Josh, and I, I heard that he solved the world's problems. So I can pretty much dismiss the service and we can go on. <laughs> I'm teasing. I heard it was good, though. I heard it was very good. So, amen. Love it. Um, and Heidi and I were off in Dickinson, North Dakota, having a good time at the Living Faith Conference, which was great. Um, and so I want to be in tonight briefly reviewing the definitions of the words we looked at in 2 Timothy 3, 1. You're in 1 John chapter 2, and uh, we looked at a few things. I'm going to start in verse 15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Notice that it's the world system, the way it operates, all of that is passing away. Now, when you think of the end of the world, don't think of necessarily nuclear bombs and the planet not existing anymore. Okay? Don't think of it just necessarily that way. Um, there will be always you know, a progression of chaos and those type of things. But eventually the Lord's going to come back and we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth, right? We all understand that. But we do understand that this world is passing away. It's, it's, it's going to end up being non-existent to a degree. Um, and those that are not in love with God, those who do not serve the Lord will end up in hell. Um, uh, for eternity, which is a terrible thing, which is part of the reason why God leaves us here for a spell, all right? It's because so we can lead people um, and continue with the Great Commission and lead people out of uh, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we see that here in those, those uh, three verses, 15, 16, and 17, not to love the world and all those good truths there. And then verse 18 says this, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, which we know that it is the last hour, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. This is an interesting truth, but these were people that were actually in the church, okay? And the reason why they went out from the church or why they do end up going out from the church is because they can't handle the truth, the truth always expels or exposes darkness. And eventually the enemy or people whose heart is toward the enemy will get so tired of hearing the truth, they'll just end up starting in the front row, moving all the way to the back row, and then leaving. It's just the truth. But in the process, and this is what John is warning, warning us about, um, and we looked at this previously, and I'm not going to review it, but remember when he talked about uh, fathers and young men and little children, Right? One of the main things that John is warning us about is he's saying, look, you got to watch out for these antichrist type people, not that they are the antichrist, but they're functioning under the spirit of antichrist, because if you're young in the Lord, it's easy to get deceived, okay? And so he's warning the church about this, and this warning maintains till today, okay? I've watched this happen through the years many times, and what ends up happening is is people get away from the truth of the word. They get, uh, especially in our society, how many have noticed you can find anything you want on any subject and all of them are right. Just go to YouTube. I mean, what I mean by that is they're all proclaiming their right. Okay? So this is why we push the written words so hard. 
It's part of the reason why we do. Because in order to, of course, we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? He, he, he lets us know things. But how many have noticed that your mind can go directions that the Holy Spirit doesn't? Okay, and so that's why we have the written word. The written word is designed to bring balance to our soul. We're to be transformed by the what? The renewing, right, of our mind. Not the removal, the renewal. I know Pentecostals. I've been around them long enough. They think, well, I don't have to think. We all wish you would. <laughs> I mean, we, we, need to, we need to use our minds. We need to use our brains. Amen? And I know that's we, we do around here, but you always got to encourage that over and over. And so the Word of God is wonderful because it transforms the way we think. So they, it, um, John goes on to say this. He says... Um, he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. He said, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. I love this verse 20, but you have a what? An anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. So what we're discussing is the spirit of Antichrist and how the spirit of Antichrist operates in the earth, okay? And um, we're doing this from 2 Timothy chapter 3 because I think it just does a really good job of giving a uh, kind of a general overview of how the spirit of Antichrist can operate. Does that make sense? And so if you know these things, you know, I'm really not concerned about anybody in here and maybe even watching online. I'm, not, I'm really not concerned that you're going to get off. I'm not, I'm not preaching this because I'm like, oh, Dale at any moment could be duped. You know what I mean? And he's going to go down the path of the Antichrist. I'm not concerned about that. Okay, people say, well, then why do I need to know? Well, for one, you want to know for yourself because you all know people that you know could be duped. Right? Now, I'm not saying you should go become their Jesus Christ. Okay, their personal doctrine, uh, you know, analysis person. But you want to, as you're building in your, in your worlds where you live, the, the workplaces you work in, all of these different things, as you're working among people and you're shining your light for Christ, for one, you have knowledge so you're able to kind of see where the enemy's operating, right? You know how he talks, you know how he thinks, and you can hear his words coming through your, your work, uh, 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 your coworkers, your boss, or your um, you know, family members, different things like that that are, that are extended out. And in a loving way, whether through prayer, and you have to be led by the Holy Spirit on this, but through prayer, you can pray for them and begin to believe God for opportunities to minister to them. And then also in a loving way, you can express truth to them. Amen? How many have noticed this, that even when you know a truth, sometimes people don't know it. For years, we've known about, Heidi and I, and we've studied this for years, about the understanding that God wants us to be healthy in our physical bodies. You know, there's a whole lot of churches that don't believe that. Now, I'm not saying you should go picket that church. What I am saying is, is that you may come across people who don't know what you know about the truth of the word of God in a very gentle, loving way, a kind way, a fruit of the spirit way. You can minister and begin to open up the word of God to them by the spirit of God because you know where the truths are. So even though I'm not concerned that you're going to become a lover of yourself in a, in a very antichrist way or a lover of money in a very antichrist way, you may be put in a place where you're able to minister to somebody who is amen so sometimes people think well i came to church and i learned that but i already knew that 
Well, if you already know it, then you're walking in it and you have an opportunity to minister to somebody else out of that truth. And then also we know this from the scripture because Peter says this repeatedly and so does, so does Paul as well. We know this from the scripture. He said, it's a good thing for you to hear the same thing over and over again. If you're bored with the truth of the written word, ask yourself who you're bored with. How many of you have noticed your flesh is that way? You open your Bible in the morning or whenever you do your devotion, you'll go, and your flesh will go, what are we doing this for? And you just need to say, shut up, stupid. <laughs> People say, oh, I never caught myself stupid. Well, it's not you. It's the tent you live in. <laughs> All right? So that's why we need to review and go over truth. And that's why we need to discipline ourselves in understanding and knowing the word of God. Amen? It's so good for us. Okay, so we looked at a few characteristics. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. And you can just turn there. And I'm going to, uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 1, and I'm going to read through these first few that we went through. The first one was lovers of themselves. So uh, Paul stayed, stated this by the Spirit of God, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And the first one he talks about, he says, for men, and that just means mankind, will be lovers of themselves. This word means, now, if you want the full definition of these, I'm going to go through these so fast you won't be able to write them unless you know shorthand. But the nice thing that's happening right now is I'm being recorded. So if you want to go back and watch it later, you can pause me. Right in the middle of it, you can go, shut up, Sean, boom, and just pause it. And I'll, I will obey at that moment. I won't obey right now. But I will obey at that moment because you'll have control over it. And you can write these definitions down if you want. I've given them before, but I'm just going to give them again briefly. So lovers of themselves, this word means that people will possess possess excessive self-fondness or self-attraction. Now, this isn't in here or in my notes, but they'll take a lot of selfies <laughs> and have iPhones and they'll have a MySpace. That's so old, I know. It's awesome. I actually looked it up the other day. You can still get on there. I know, that is weird. All right, so... They are inordinately self-focused and self-infatuated. These, these people's first consideration is always and at all times their own self-interest. The second thing we see here is lovers of money. This phrase or word depicts an inordinate love for money, an abnormal preoccupation with money, or a profound fixation on material possessions. This word carries the idea of self-embellishment and greediness. The word depicts a person with an insatiable desire to always have more and more. When the Bakken, the oil field out in North Dakota, first got big um, and exploded, uh, I knew a particular guy that actually went out there and worked in the oil field. And he said, you go out there and all these guys that are working on the oil field have these jacked up, massive diesel trucks. And he drove this little beat up, like Chevy 1500 you know, it was just a half ton. It was little. And he goes, you really, he said, I, I feel like I need to get one of those trucks. What is that? That's the spirit of the world, the spirit of Antichrist. I need to, uh, I need to compete with Mike. Mike's got a nicer vehicle than me. That's not Christianity. Christianity says, Lord, I know you want me to be blessed, but I'm trusting you. And I just love the fact that Mike has what he wants. You can be content. Oh, I'm going to go into a series on Sundays on contentment. 
The Lord's been dealing with me about it. I'm so excited. Paul said, I've learned the secret of contentment. Whether I abound or have contentment. Anyway, we'll get more into that. I don't want to get off. Okay, so stay focused, Sean. Stay focused, stay focused. Okay. The word depicts a person with an insatiable desire to always have more and more. Have you ever met somebody like that? Maybe you were like that at one time. Boasters is another word here used uh, to describe uh, the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of the age. This word carries the idea of one who is so committed to their own self-promotion and personal agenda that they are willing to exaggerate, overstate the facts, stretch the truth, embellish a story, or even lie if it will have a positive effect on their position or situation. I always, and we looked at this before, but I always think of politicians. But it is, it's more than that. How many know that happens just in the church parking lot? <laughs> I've done it before. Like when I'm going through these, I'm like, ooh, I think I still do a little bit of that. I need to stop. And it's just fleshiness. It's not that I have a demon. Amen. I mean, some people may think I do, but I don't. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's not that. It's just that we have the nature of the flesh, and in the process of being born again and then the transformation of our soul, it takes time. It takes a little bit of time, amen? And that's okay. So don't get under condemnation over these things. Just realize you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you can overcome, amen? All right, those that are proud, this represents a person who sees themselves, themselves as above the rest of the crowd. In other words, they look down on others. This represents an arrogant, haughty, impudent, snooty, high and mighty, insolent attitude possessed by people who believe they are intellectually advantaged and therefore possess the right to set the agenda for everyone else. Does that sound like anybody? that you maybe know or have heard of, this is obviously operating in our world and increasing. You know, it's interesting, though, in all of this, the church is increasing at the same time and maturing and developing in who they are in Christ. And do you realize it's supposed to be that way? Okay? So sometimes people think, well, you know, how can God move in the midst of this? Actually, the light shines brighter in the midst of darker situations. Amen? Amen? And so we have the victory in Christ. So these people are proud. They're, they're, they see themselves as above the crowd. They look down on people and they talk down to people. This is something that, um, because I, I was raised by the McFarlanes. Have you ever heard of the McFarlane clan? They're out of Scotland. <laughs> and they're a rough, they're a, they're a, they're a uh, troublesome bunch. Yeah, I looked up the history on them and that's what it said. They're a troublesome bunch. But I was raised by, uh, by people who, uh, and maybe your family was opposite of this, or maybe it's the same, but they're very vocal, right? So that we just say what we think, which isn't always good. But you ha I have to watch this. Like as a minister, I can either present the word to you. The Lord said it to me this way, Sean, don't fight the sheep, feed them. I just let you into my prayer times. That wasn't like 10 years ago. That was like a week and a half ago. I mean, I could show you in my prayer journal. <laughs> okay, don't fight the sheep, feed them. I'm not called, you know, and people say, well, they bite. Sheep bite. Part of the job. Right? Shouldn't shepherds smell like sheep? 
right? That's good truth, isn't it? In other words, we're anointed to be in the group, right? But if I'm going to stand in my office, then I can't be a proud person in the sense of I can't, I can't preach down. I have to preach in such a way where we're all, what, being lifted up, right? Where we're being fed. And you guys all know, you can sense it. I know I've sensed it, you know, at times when I've been in meetings. You can always tell when somebody's preaching like they're irritated. You know what I mean? And so I appreciate your patience with me. Okay, so <laughs> how many, how many like how many are how many like having somebody being patient with you? Yeah, yeah me too. Okay, so all right, blasphemer. <laughs> I'm not saying that about what I was saying. This is another word here. Blasphemer, and this word means slander. It means to accuse, to speak against, or to speak derogatory words for the purpose of injuring or harming another's reputation. We've got to be careful about this. Whether you're in the ministry, whether you're with your family, whether you're in business, no matter what it is, you don't want to injure. If you're an employee under an employer, you don't want to injure your employer by speaking derogatory to other employees. You ever seen that happen? You know, people will do this. I don't even think a lot of times they realize they're doing it. But they'll actually build a coup in the, in, the, in the business against the leader. This happens in churches. It happens in families. It happens in businesses, of course. It happens in government. It happens. It happens. Why? Because the spirit of Antichrist is operating. Well, we're supposed to carry a different spirit, and we do. So we need to express that, which means we need to keep blasphemy out of our mouths. Amen? All right, so it signifies profane or foul, unclean language. So you got to watch your language. It can refer to blaspheming the divine, but the broader meaning includes any type of debasing, derogatory, insulting, nasty, shameful, ugly speech or behavior intended to humiliate someone. That's pretty detailed, isn't it? So we don't want to, the Lord said this, he said, go ahead and bless those who curse you. Right? He didn't say, you know, we know under the Old Testament it was an eye for an eye, right? Tooth for a tooth. It was that. But under the New Covenant, we're not that way. That's not how we operate. We actually bless those who curse us, and it actually is a protection to ourselves. Do you know when you obey the Lord, it actually keeps his protection at operating level in your life? It's always available. It's just obedience has a release factor in your life, right? It's just like people who say, well, I know I'm blessed because the Lord has blessed me financially. Yeah, but you have to give in order for that to operate. It doesn't mean, it, it doesn't mean that God all of a sudden goes, oh, they gave, I want to give now. He, he was giving all along. It's just our obedience opens the door. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a bridge for faith, for the promise to walk across. It's a faith bridge for the promise to walk across and manifest in the natural, amen? Okay, so then the last one we looked at was disobedient to parents, disobedient to parent these are children who are no longer able to be persuaded controlled led or have authority exercised over them it depicts a loss of control or a lack of ability to persuade to lead or to influence now if you go back and look over those uh, on your own time and we're not going to go into detail on it but you can see how this all progresses and you'll see as it continues through the rest of the verse. But how many know this? When you start out with lovers of yourselves, you'll definitely end up with disobedient to parents. So if the parents are lovers of themselves and they don't raise their kids in the proper way, then what are the kids going to do? If you sow rebellion, what do you reap? You have rebellion. 
Amen? Now, thankfully, we're not in a hopeless situation because the Lord redeems the time. He's a time redeemer. So even if we did get involved in these things at times, how many know it can be changed? There's nothing impossible with God. There's nothing impossible with those who believe. And you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you can overcome. Amen? All right. So I don't want you to leave, leave you in a place where you're hopeless. All right. Next, let's look at unthankful. Now, this word means thankless or ungrateful. And this is one we haven't looked at yet. At least I don't think we have. Unthankful. This word means thankless or ungrateful. This is a person who had a thankful attitude, but now this same person has lost their thankful, grateful, and appreciative attitude and is now or now is unthankful. Thoughts of unthankfulness, ingratitude, and unappreciativeness now fill their heart and mind. This person is not thankful for the good they have experienced or for the blessings they have received. They are no longer thankful for people who have treated them kindly. How many of you noticed that um, after the honeymoon wears off, the, the honeymoon season? I watched this happen in churches for years. That, you know, this is it. This is the one. Oh, man, God's doing so many great things. And six months later, well, you know, the preacher didn't say anything to me this week. And some of it I understand because spiritual immaturity is, you have to watch it, you know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, you can be walking through the church and, and you can smell stinky diapers. <laughs> and it's not because you're by the nursery. <laughs> and, people, and people don't even like that. They don't even want to hear that. You know, like, well, I'm an adult. Well, act like it. Amen. Amen. I want to act like an adult. How about you? You know, I don't want to wear, I don't want to be in the kingdom and be in adult diapers. <laughs> Some people are like, I don't know if I should laugh about that or not. I <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm trying to make a spiritual correlation here. Don't take it personally. I'm not talking about, you know, anything in the natural. I'm saying spiritually, I don't want to be in the church for 30 years and people look at me and go, you're saved. I want to have some fruit. Amen. I want to be an honor to my father and be respectful to him and, and love the body of Christ the way that he's loved us. Well, you, they don't all agree with you. I had, I had lunch the other day with somebody. We totally disagree um, to a lot. Well, I shouldn't say totally. We disagree pretty strongly on some ideas on end times. Okay. And this is another pastor friend of mine. So we sit there and talk about it and we go back and forth. But we also do this. This is about loving each other. Amen? This is about loving the body of Christ. This is about the, the kingdom advancing. And we know that if there's going to be a significant move in Billings, Montana, of the Spirit of God, then there can't be fighting and jealousy and unthankfulness between the bodies of Christ. Amen? Amen? It's just so true. So we got to watch out for that, right? So, people that are unthankful, um, instead of um, thinking about what people have done for them, they meditate on and focus on the negative, which is usually perpetuated and fed by the enemy always, or the nature of the flesh, and usually the things are pretty petty. 
Years ago, I was in a meeting with a guy named Robert Henderson. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. We, I was actually in a meeting with Dutch Sheets, Robert Henderson, and Chuck Pierce, all those guys. And for the whole meeting, uh, the whole weekend, I got to carry Dutch Sheets bags for him, his Bible bag. And I followed him around. I put his mic on him. And you say, what was it like? He prayed in tongues a lot. We didn't talk much. But I was real young in the Lord, too, ministry-wise. And so I was like, just keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, and just follow him. And at the end, he said, you did a really good job. I said, thank you. <laughs> but Robert Henderson, and he was sharing a testimony about um, when he was a pastor. And he had a lady in his church that had a brain tumor. And so she was going in for surgery. And, he, and she said, can you pray for me, pastor? He said, sure. And he laid hands on her, and they went in for surgery. And that brain tumor, they opened up her, you know, that side of her head, the skull. That brain tumor fell out in the surgeon's hand. Completely healed. Just fell out. And that's, I mean, of course God can do that, right? Well, that lady was in his church for years, but years later, she got upset about, about, at him for something and left the church. And he never found out why. They just got upset, just left. Well, that's unthankfulness. Amen? She doesn't have to follow him just because he prayed for her and she got healed. But at least remember what happened through those people that, you know, sometimes we get embittered toward family and we forget, you know, they, your parents raised you. Well, they weren't perfect. You're right, but you're alive still. <laughs> you, you understand that's how the spirit of thankfulness is. The spirit of thankfulness will look for the smallest benefit and go, yep, praise the Lord, I'm alive. My mom, my dad didn't kill me and I'm here. Sometimes it might have felt like they were trying to, but I am here. And that's how the spirit of thankfulness is. The spirit of thankfulness is that way. It's grateful for the smallest thing. Why? And we're going to get into this here. It's not, doesn't have an entitlement mentality. Now we're going to get into some of this and it's going to go, oh, I'm going, oh, I'm studying. I'm like, oh, sorry, Lord. Yeah, sorry for that. Yeah, shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. <laughs> but it helps us grow, right, and develop. And so um, unthankfulness does that. And so you can get filled with ingratitude toward what others have done for you. And you become what is called an ingrate. You're ingrateful. The Holy Spirit is warning us about this unthankful attitude from the spirit of Antichrist that operates in the earth today. This attitude is what leads to an entitled or you owe me something mentality. From the previous words that we have looked at in this verse, we can see how this comes about. An ungrateful person cannot be appeased until they repent, right? Once you repent, then you'll find that all the, the feelings of ill that you had, they just go away. Why? Because now the Spirit of Christ has salved or washed away that ungratefulness that was in your soul, amen? Amen. All right, so we know this, unthankful or entitled people mistake their wants as needs and misinterpret their feelings as facts. It's true, right? How many have done that before? I've done it. I raised both hands. What, what is an unthankful or entitled, what do, they, what do they do? They mistake, entitled people mistake their wants as needs and misinterpret their feelings as facts. Unthankful and entitled people have an attitude that they are owed a privileged lifestyle that others have had to work hard to attain. 
I am owed nothing. I'll put it to you like this. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell right now. Now, that's sobering, isn't it? I mean, that's enough to be just thankful to the Lord for his mercy. Amen? So, unthankful or entitled people, they have an attitude that they're owed a privileged lifestyle. Do you see that in America at all? Oh, my goodness. The government should pay off my college. Why? And what makes you any more special than all the generations before that saved their money and paid for college? I think I just got to preach. <laughs> All right, but why, why would that, why? Why do you deserve what somebody else has? I heard this illustration years ago, and it really stuck with me concerning this. Years ago, a father and son would be walking down the street in a, in a town, and they would see a gentleman maybe that drove by in a very nice vehicle and who was a successful businessman. And years ago, the, the, the son would say, man, look at that car. And the father would say, son, see, that's available to you if you'll work hard and do what he's done. Now, today, that same thing happens, and that, that, that uh, father turns to his son and says, that's not right. He shouldn't have that. We need to go get it from him. And that's an entitlement mentality. People say, well, I deserve the inheritance my, my, my parents have laid up or my grandparents or whatever. Do you? Why do you deserve it? Last time I checked, they can get with a lawyer and sign it over to somebody you don't even like. Amen. I've watched it happen before. Right? Why? Because there's an ungratefulness and entitlement attitude. Well, I deserve. And do you know what that shows? A lack of faith. That's what that boils down to, right? It shows a lack of faith. All right. These people feel they have the right to entertainment and a life full of excitement and fun. They may feel that life is boring when nothing exciting or entertaining is happening. This mentality can eventually undermine a nation's economic stability because it focuses on taking and not giving, right? Have you heard the statement, a wise man plants a tree, uh, who, a wise man will plant a tree knowing he'll never sit in the shade of that tree, but he knows his, the generations later will. That's sacrifice, right? What about our founding fathers? They pledged their lives and their fortunes to freedom. Today, people sell sell the nation for their fortunes. They'll make contract deals with other countries and make taxpayers in America pay for it. Oh, that's not going on all the time. Amen? This mentality hinders people from reaping and the benefit from uh, people from reaping the benefit of God's higher system of effort and reward or work and pay. God's highest system is not you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. God's higher system is effort and reward, work and pay. Amen. All right. So let's look at a couple of other things here Um, because I need to get through this because we only have a few minutes here. 
So Western nations are being groomed to live under a system of entitlement and benefits at the government's and taxpayers' expense. Really, it's the taxpayers' expense. You know, people say, well, you know, I got, I, <laughs> how many, <laughs> you realize this, when all the payments were going out during COVID, that wasn't free money. People don't realize this. They just are, people are so uneducated in these areas. It's amazing. They take the money and then they gripe four years or three years later when their taxes go up. Last time I checked, the government never just gives money away. Not to mention the fact it's not their money. It's mine and yours. Amen. Okay, but when, when a government begins to turn, a nation begins to turn, you'll see this happen. People will think, well, I'm entitled, and the government's providing for me. No, they're not. God is providing for me. My financial system based on heaven, not earth. They, the government can go under, and I'll be okay. But if I, get in, if I don't have my faith where it should be, then I'll be dependent on the government. Amen? Amen? So I'll, I'll look at them as God instead of God as God. It's as if there has been a cultivated dependency mindset that has bridged generations, making the cycle of entitlement more entrenched into people's way of thinking. This has been perpetuated for years on end. The way that God sees it, it is true, true, spirit, truth, spiritually, truly, spiritually criminal not to be thankful for what we have in life, even if it seems like we have little compared to someone else's blessings. Even if we believe we've worked hard and earned what we have, we still should be profoundly thankful that all we ha have was given to us by God. Our jobs and opportunities could have been given to someone else, but they were graciously given to us. As stated, as stated before, entitlement is a byproduct of unthankfulness. One writer uh, stated it this way, an entitled person has an unrealistic, unmerited, or inappropriate expectation of favorable living conditions and favorable treatment at the hands of others. In other words, you work and I'll reap. Is that the way God presents it? Is it? Now, sometimes people say, well, I, I have assistance for things. There, are, there is a biblical, legitimate Bible way and, and time for people to receive assistance in situations that they're in. And it should flow through the government. But what we're seeing today is not that. What we're seeing in society today is that that there's this, uh, uh, you owe me. How many have uh, seen stuff on the reparations stuff? The idea that what? That, that people, uh, those that were either in slavery or other areas, should be paid back money to, and it's not even to the ones that were slaves. It's to the people that are here today. Think about this. You have... Athletes that are making 30 and 40 million dollars a year saying they are oppressed. Who in here has made 40 million dollars in one year? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible, right? We know that. But, and then to stand up and say, this isn't fair. It doesn't make sense, does it? 
What is that? That's an unthankful attitude, right? So you say, well, what should I be doing then? We should be believing God to be to the place where we have such a supply flowing into us as he leads us to where we're able to give to every good work. Amen? We should be in a place, we should be believing God for ourselves, working as God. The Bible says what? He who doesn't eat, he who doesn't work? Well, that's not very gracious. But see, that's how even much of the church thinks. The Bible says otherwise. Do you know the Bible has rules given, laid out for how the church actually should financially assist widows if they have need? But do you know what the first line of defense for true widows is? <laughs> Mike does. <laughs> it's their family. But you know, there are families that actually just shun their parent and they have the capability to take care of them, but they refuse to. That's, and I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the world. The world, of course, we understand what they're living. They don't understand much. What is that? That's an ungrateful, that's a love of money, that's an unthankful attitude, right? It's not having an attitude of, I'm going to take care of, I'm going to, Lord, you know, people, we, I, I have to watch this, we all do. We all have to watch that we don't allow natural things to make our decisions. We have to watch our attitude. Well, if I give that money away, then I won't have it. That's exactly what happens. When you give it away, you don't have it anymore. But what do you have? You have faith in your God and his promises, and he will bring it back. Amen? And he doesn't, God's not, he's better than all the investments you can think of in this life. His returns are phenomenal, right? So I'm a tither. I give, right? I'm, a, I'm above a tither. I'm a, what are we at? I don't know, 15 percenter? Is that what we have it set at? No, I can't go like this. You have to give me the exact number. It's 15%. Okay. So I'm a 15%er. You say, what does that mean? I give 10%, and then we have another 5% that we give offerings, right? 10% is tithe, right? That's how we do it. The other day, I needed uh, Taylor's car's not working like it should. I take it over to Jiffy Lube because I'm like, it needs an alignment, and I need to get an oil change anyway. So they get in there. Oh, your uh, alignment thing is locked up. There's some sort of nut or something across there that locks up. And uh, he says, it's locked up. And he said, uh, he said uh, um, and we went under there and we looked at your car and both your upper and lower tie rod ends need to be replaced. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, is, it, is there any danger in driving the car right now? And I said, can you give me a bid? Well, the bid was over 700 bucks. I'm like, okay. So then I, I take it home and I don't let Taylor drive it. <laughs> Because when you would drive with this vehicle that we got her, it, 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 when it, the first shift it would make, it actually would pull to the left. It was really weird. And then the steering was off a little bit, right? And so I don't know much about cars, all right? I'm, that's not really my thing, okay? So uh, if I do want to know anything, I ask Josh. <laughs> so far, he's been right because I've proven it against mechanics, so... <laughs> But anyway, so I was like, well, and so I was talking to my father-in-law about it. Again, I'm a tither, right? You, you know, you're still with me. 
All right, so I'm talking to my mechanic about it, or I'm talking to my father-in-law about it. He said, you know what, Sean? He said, I'd go get a second opinion. He said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go with Jiffy Loop. So I, I, I give that advice to you as well. All right, so you can take that. <laughs> Jiffy Lube's great at oil changes and maybe some alignments, but that, you know, they're not mechanics. So their, their bid was $700 or whatever. All right, so I, I say, okay, I'm going to go over to, uh, I went over to L.P. Anderson over here on Grand by the Wendy's, and, and I ta start talking, actually, I called over there, and I get a guy on the phone, his name's John, very nice man, and we're talking, and he goes, oh, yeah, he said, my wife used to have that car, and I said, oh, so you know about it, I said, the, it's, he said, there's something with the alignment, there's something that moves along there, and it's frozen, I don't understand it but it's frozen. He said, all right, no, bring it in. He said, I can heat that thing up and loosen it and knock it loose and we'll get that alignment done. I said, okay, great. 150 bucks, right? Oh, wait, it gets better. <laughs> this isn't, this, you think that was the victory. That ain't the victory. By the time we're done, you'll go, oh yeah, that's the victory. All right. So we, we get over there and, uh, and he gets it up on the rack and he gets that thing loosed. So they didn't have to replace all that. And I'm, and I'm talking to him about it. And he's trying to align it and trying to align it. And his alignment, he couldn't get it aligned. So he thought, well, that's weird. So he took it down to their downtown store because uh, there's a, more of a senior mechanic there. And he really wanted to get this right. I mean, he's doing a good job, working hard. Very friendly guy. And so uh, he gets down there. He's like, man, he said, Sean, I just can't. So then I call him about 4 o'clock that day, and I said, hey, what do you got going on? He said, look, I'm driving the car back to the shop. We cannot get this steering to straighten out. We can't get the alignment right. Well, come to find out, the control arms for the steering were bad. And he goes, I won't let your daughter drive this car. Well, what I found out was the control arms... He sa I said, well, what would happen? He said, worst case scenario, one of those control arms goes out. She goes one way into the ditch or the other way into on uh, head-on traffic. Say, I'm a tither, right? I'm a tither. She could, I mean, she drove, that, uh, she drove that car going 55 or 60 down, to, uh, down King Avenue when you get out there a little ways, you know. I mean, that could have gone out at any time, but we're tithers, amen? And we know the Lord. Well, so he gets in there, and I said, you know, I bought a warranty because I do that. And I said, can you check to see if that's under warranty? And I said, can, you, can I ask you something? What were the tie rod ends like? He said, they're perfect. Oh, Jiffy. <laughs> and I think to myself, I will not be unloving. I will not be unloving. I will not be... <laughs> so we, he gets it in. All of it, he calls up my, my uh, warranty, because I buy warranties from a specific person, and I paid, I think, $2,200 for the warranty, and it covers 60,000 miles, four years, no co-pays. I have no co-pays. You know why? I'm a tither, and I find deals, and they find me. Amen? So anyway, I said, I said, okay, so he gets it all done. He said, I said, well, what's it, you know, what's the bid on all this? He said, $925. So I went from $700 to $150 to $925. And we walked through all this. Taylor's like, oh, 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 oh. You know, we're walking through all this. <laughs> you know, because she's thinking, I got to pay for this. I don't pay for everything. I make her pay too, you know. Real life. That's how we can train her for real life. Anyway, so... 
I said, uh, he said, but you know, I called the insurance company. He said, you only owe me 25 bucks. <laughs> 25 bucks. He goes, that's the best warranty I've ever worked with. He said, normally I got to wait 30 days. I called him on, I think it was Tuesday and was paid on Wednesday. Yeah, buddy. And, and, the, and then I brought it in again because we had a little alignment and they got it fixed and everything runs like it should. Amen? Believe it or not, that little car she has has a turbo in it. I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but it is all-wheel drive. <laughs> so what do we want to be? We want to be thankful, right? We don't want to be unthankful. Now, I wanted to get through three others, but you know how that goes. And it is 8.04. But did you get anything? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we purpose to be doers and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.